Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Wizards actually gives a shit. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick your legacy newbie with this week as always mr jerry me what's up jerry coming to you from a brand new locale pat i'm all yeah you upgraded in. the studio yeah Upgrades. upgraded the studio huh i instead of going from a one bedroom apartment i now have a specific studio to record in nice it's amazing i had a freaking fight tooth and nail to get it though <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah. yeah didn't you say you had some issues moving in there Oh, I had I almost had to freaking sue them. So literally we signed the lease in August. It is now October. <laughs> we signed the lease in August. The day before we were set to move in, like movers were coming in like six hours the next morning. Um, we already had like electric and mm-hmm. gas and internet and all that stuff scheduled and set up. I get a call from the the landlord saying, oh, yeah, by the way, the apartment's not going to be ready for another month. <laughs> We're like, what? Hmm. It's like, yeah, we uh, like the, the builders couldn't get the building supplies to finish the apartment. And I'm like, you're, you're telling me this now, the day what? before we're about to move in. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems insane. Yeah. So we're like, what do we do? And you know how they say, you know, always have a doctor in the family, Pat. Yeah, uh, it's also important. I always have a lawyer in the family. So I, I <laughs> called up my buddy who's a, uh, a contract lawyer and I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, this is a pretty open and shut breach of contract. <laughs> you know, talk to him, mm-hmm. talk to him and, you know, mention this. So I called them up. Yeah. So breach of contract, yada, yada, yada. They're like, OK, and they hang up and then I get a call probably about an hour later. I'm guessing after they called their lawyer and their lawyer said, yeah, you, you, you done fucked up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, you guys can move in tomorrow. We're uh, we're going to be stripping the building materials out of another apartment to put in your apartment to mm-hmm, finish it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they uh, they like stripped everything out of some other apartment and moved it into ours. So sucks for that son of a bitch in the other apartment. But <laughs> eh, <laughs> we, <fuck 'em. laughs> we, we got we got moved in. But yeah. um, it, like literally everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, besides that, like Jordan's furniture canceled our table. Like we ordered a dining room table. And then the day before that was supposed to be delivered. Jordan's furniture just called us up. It's like, yeah, we don't actually have that anymore. They're all out of stock. Jeez. So now we don't have a table. And then we got a couch from Bernie and Phil's and the couch came in off the truck. And there was just this big like soot smear on the side of the couch. No. From just, like literally everything's going wrong. <laughs> so I'm so here though. Sleeping on the floor. Yes. I'm, I'm literally sleeping on this because also the, the box spring broke on the way over. So my, oh my our mattress gosh. is literally just on the ground college style. It looks like a trap house in there, Jerry. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, oh, and then I had to spend like six hours on the phone with freaking Comcast because they fucked everything up and their online service, like online help was no help. So I show up to the like store to get help. And there's literally a line out the door wrapped around the corner of the building. That of sounds people. about right. Yep. Oh man, it was miserable, but we're here now. That's enough, enough griping. Uh, I am in my new apartment. I am recording. I am holding my, my uh, microphone though, because, because the, uh, the microphone mount broke in the move. So that's also, I had to get that. Who, so. moved, who moved your, did the you just like hire a bunch of like drunks off the street to move you? Because yeah. It sounds like you did. Literally just, I pulled, I didn't even hire him, Pat. I just abducted them. Like you're, yeah. you're working so, for me now. That sounds about right. <laughs> but everything's slowly coming together i am nice. in the new apartment and i am ready to talk some legacy all right cool uh and you got us a good guest this week you're ready to do that i got us an awesome guest this week we have welcoming back to the cast because it's been i think i think almost two years now because covid was Whoa, a time really? machine 
Yeah. I think so. <laughs> but uh, we have the one and only Mike Noble coming back onto the cast. Noble Hierarch himself. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? It's been a while. Yeah, I've changed houses just like Jerry. I've, I've gotten some pets. I've uh, completely reworked my entire life since uh, the last time we spoke. So, yeah, it feels like a feels like a new world. That's for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you back. It's been way too long. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's it's been good. I mean, it's certainly uh, I, I would feel like COVID has certainly thrown some uh, wrenches and things, as you were saying, but uh, it felt right kind of to come back after the Legacy Pit open, even though there's nothing really on the horizon yet afterwards. So I'm uh, I'm excited to be back. Yeah, absolutely. definitely. Because I mean, yeah, you're you're fresh off the legacy pit. So that's that's really what we wanted to talk about today was your experience there because uh we didn't get a chance to go down to that and uh want to have some firsthand experience. So uh let let our let our uh listeners know kind of what, what that was all about. Yeah, so uh I know you had um Travis and the crew on a few weeks prior to the pit open. Uh basically it was this large event that took place in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, I believe we had 350 total players, which is quite the, quite the event. Um, it was, uh, t- took place in a hotel. We had uh, a mask mandate in place so that everybody was safe. Um, and we just got to play some good old paper legacy, something that we just don't really get to see, especially at this large of a scale these days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely the largest event that's taken place this year. And now with mm-hmm. the uh, the 100K being canceled, it looks like it's going to be the largest event of the year. Uh, so nice, uh, nice experience. And I'm, I'm really upset I didn't get a chance to go because, you know, scrolling down the uh, the lists here of uh, the players, recognizing a lot of names of, uh, you know, a lot of staples of the community. Um, you know, I'm just seeing like Tom, our, our boy Tom Smiley in 11th. Uh, we got, uh, Romario Neto, we got Jarvis, you, we got Brian Colville, we got Brian cook, uh, we got Jarvis, you Bob Wong, uh, you know, just so many awesome, awesome people. Yeah. There's quite the, um, kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. The, uh, hall of villains or whatever. Uh, I'm, <laughs> sure real, I'm sure there's a real term for it. That's not coming to my head, but we actually had, uh, yeah, there was quite a few names and getting to see all those guys again was absolutely a treat. Um, I, w- I mean, I was stuck behind the commentary booth for uh, most of it, but thankfully the commentary booth was out in the open. So getting to see all those guys kind of walk by, fill me on how their day was going, made it for maybe feel like I was still part of it, even though I was working. Definitely. Yeah, this uh, this awesome looks awesome. And yeah, you kind of buried the lead there. You were uh, you were in the commentary booth. So you had the uh, the bird's eye perspective of the whole event. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my I forgot to fill everyone in on that. Yeah. My job with the Legacy Pit Open, um, I was on the commentary team. I have a few years of commentary practice, although not much podcast practice. So I'm a little more nervous doing this. But um yeah, I started doing commentary back in 2017 for the um, for Eternal Extravaganza and then for Eternal Weekend. And yep. uh, Travis, I actually had the chance to work with at the last event before COVID really struck at the um, in Frederick, Maryland, for the Dice City Games Revised Open. And when he decided to run this event, he was like, "I need to get Mike Noble back in the booth." He was great energy for the cast. Um, I got to work with. Mike Shank again, who is part of the Legacy Pit, um, and really just like bring it back, bring back the uh, the first height of COVID event being at uh, over, uh, getting to kind of relive uh, the February 2020 event that I got to work. That's awesome, and yeah, the February 2020 event is probably the last <laughs> big big Legacy event before COVID shut everything down. Yeah, we got to, uh, we did that. Then we hopped in our time machine, we went forward 18 months and then worked another event together. That's awesome. And it feels like it was just a weakest part because COVID was a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing <laughs> happened in between. 
<laughs> that's awesome that's awesome um so yeah i heard i heard the uh the cast went well i, I was bummed that i missed it i was at a wedding that weekend so i didn't really get a chance to watch it either but i heard great things from everyone who went heard it was an awesome event what was kind of your uh your experience of the room you know was looking around anything catch you by surprise anything just kind of out of the door ordinary or was it pretty much the the meta as expected so the big out of the ordinary thing, besides the gen- genuine excitement of everyone, would be the first out of ordinary. I know you're thinking more deckless, maybe, but no, no, de- yeah, definitely the the energy in the room's important. Yeah, the energy was just completely different than any other legacy event I've ever been to because people really took for granted the fact that they could go to like monthly events or big yearly events, grand prix, all those large events that we don't have right now, and so being able to go to an event to really sleeve up the cards that you love and play was people are excited. It was just, it was good energy. And so everybody just brought their a game, uh, brought their, their pet decks and their just, it was, it was just great. It was just like the perfect energy for kind of a, um, the, the first big event in a year and a half. Yeah. I for sure. And looking at the metagame breakdown, it looks like a pretty healthy metagame. Um, you know, obviously blue red Delver was the most popular deck, but it was the most popular deck at 12%. So it's, it's not like we've been seeing where it was getting close to, you know, 25% of the meta in some, some of the tournaments uh, I know, or uh, even higher than that for some of the online tournaments. Um, and then I see the third most represented deck is other, <laughs> which I'm going to go with uh, basically the one of deck like your your super niche pet decks but those made up uh you know seven percent of the room was uh just kind of niche pet decks so i look looking at this metagame breakdown it looks super healthy yeah the metagame breakdown obviously people um see a lot of delver see all the pieces that bring delver together online but like i was saying uh, earlier everybody wants to kind of play their thing um if they're not a part of the magic online metagame and that's certainly what the, I mean, we have 23 unidentified things. I bet I have to click through and figure out what they are, but it, it's really just, it was an opportunity for everyone to showcase what they wanted to play uh, more so than what might've been the most optimal thing to play. And mm-hmm. that kind of factors into the fun of it. People just wanted to have fun and people were still succeeding, even if they weren't playing necessarily the, the best deck that any other data would show. Yeah, definitely. Um, I noticed here something interesting is, uh, the second most popular deck after blue red Delver was death and taxes and death and taxes feels like it's kind of the yo-yo of the format where it just swings wildly back and forth between popularity and, you know, kind of tier two, uh, legacy. So, uh, did you feel, did you see like a lot of, uh, death and taxes in the room? How did they do overall? Cause, um, looking at the top eight or even the top 16, do we even have any, uh, yeah, I don't see any death and taxes in the, even the top 16. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. There's one James, James Pogue came in ninth place with death and taxes. Yeah. Unfortunately, James got breakered out too. Uh, he had the Oof. same result as I believe four, three as well. So unfortunate that James wasn't able to make the top eight, but uh, the interesting story about Death and Taxes is that we got to see it a lot on commentary throughout the weekend. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's plenty of representation in the field. Um, and it's kind of uh, showcased as like a Delver killer of sorts, where yep. it's supposed to just be able to tax them out, hence the name, and and be able to take care of the Ragavans and the Dragon Race Channelers and the Merktides and lock them down but i think we had the matchup between delver and death and taxes on three times and delver got it in all three matches <laughs> so i got to watch quite a bit of it but it wasn't really performing for coverage so <laughs> that might be a problem when the killer deck loses to its its ideal prey back to back to back how do you feel about that pat do you feel like death and taxes is something you're afraid of as a delver player you know what it it really I've, i felt like it always depends on the build um but, but i i definitely feel like blue red delver right now with ragavans is uniquely positioned against um against uh taxes uh, yeah against death and sorry against death and taxes i'm looking at the list right now i just think that the, the builds of the decks i just think having two like turn one threats you know one of being one being delver one being ragavan and then being so uh 
you know, effective against uh, death and taxes is, 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 you know, big for the deck, even though I'm actually looking at the third place deck right now and it is Delverless Delver. So that's pretty interesting. But uh, sixth place looks like it was just straight up is a Delver as well. And eighth, as was eighth. So, um, yeah, yeah Delver, I, Delverless Delver, four Dragon Rage, four Ragavan, four Murktide as the uh, the creature suite. I think that Murktide also gets so much bigger than Death and Taxes uh, tends to do that if you can keep, you know, if you can keep equipment off the board, you're in such a good, you're in such good shape. And besides also like I would also just want to add to like a lot of Delver lists are running like, uh, a, you know, a copy or two of uh, sometimes force negation in the main as well. So you end up having between eight to 10 counters for the turn one, eighth or vial. That is usually, you know, the the best play that that uh, death and taxes will make. So I think that's not nothing also. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point you make with the Murktide region, too, is um, I remember it used to always be uh, Blue Red Delver had a really hard time with Batter Skull mm-hmm. because Batter Skull, in order for Blue Red Delver to deal with it, was usually taking like a chump block from a creature paired with a bolt. Yeah. So you're two for wanting yourself to kill Batter Skull, and then the Death and Taxes player just bounces Batter Skull and replays it. So yep. it's just a losing <laughs> proposition. Now you have Murktide Regent which can just, uh, you know, be that body to deal with mm-hmm. the batter skull and put it in its place. But also at the same time, death and taxes got its own new toy with a uh, Caldra complete. Uh, Mike, did you see a lot of Caldra completes taking the slots of batter skull or were there still plenty of batter skulls uh, on camera? So the fact that the death and taxes builds were mostly Yorion, they basically got to run both. And mm-hmm. we saw what we ended up seeing a lot on coverage was the death and taxes player would easily uh, land the Stoneforge Mystic, but had a hard time actually keeping Stoneforge Mystic alive and well mm-hmm. and ended up having this Cauldre Complete stuck in its hand. Yeah, that could also, that that tells me that uh, it's kind of also almost hitting collateral damage. You know, everyone's really packing their cheap creature removal in order to deal with all these Ragavans uh, mm-hmm. floating around that, and then Stoneforge Mystic, uh, you know, becomes collateral damage almost. <laughs> Yeah, you have the four bolts that the blue red Delver always has, and they have a few flex slots, and that ends up being unholy heat. Unho- I was going to say, yep, unholy yep, heat is unholy definitely heat. in that list as well. And then I don't know how much of these blue red Delvers list, but I've also been seeing a lot of blue red Delver lists run uh, bring forked bolt back into the mix, and forked bolt can uh, uh, you know give them that ability to break through things like mother of runes, where mm-hmm. being able to split the damage to two targets. Uh, just puts pressure on the mother runes and the removal and just kind of gives them a, a little bit of extra oomph to to win those trades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of being that two-color deck, you just have to rely on that burn-based damage. And yeah, you do, you definitely have that sort of just early, cre- early creature control, and then you can just kind of go to town with whatever big flyer you can muster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So is the way. So death and taxes. People thought it was going to be a good metagame cho- metagame choice, and uh, didn't work out that way. Though good on uh, good on James Pogue for uh, you know still top sixteening with the list. Um, now we were talking a little bit in the pre-show. There was a pretty surprising list in the top eight for yourself, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm super happy to see it. Uh, we got David Tardiff running a learn and not just running a learn in top eight and running a learning coming in second place with a learn. <laughs> what was that like? Yeah. So that, that was an absolute treat. Um, oh, wait, hold on. This, I just pulled it up. It's, it's running Yorion too. It's Yorion a <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, like it's, it's a treat. It's a really spicy one. Uh, it's got a lot going on, uh, because it has so many spots to do stuff. Uh, it's basically like this giant bank control-ish deck that gets to run all of the Ice Fang Quaddles and the Forces and the Prismatic Endings and all that. And then it just kind of sneaks in the Lorans and the Recruit of the Guards and sneaks in for Living Wish as a way of deal- of getting the new uh, win condition of choice, which I, people that saw me do the uh, cast will know that I'm couldn't deal with the name and I still haven't learned the name is Acererak, I think, the Arch Lich. It's Ace Rurakabri. We covered we covered this in an episode, Mike. It's 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 you know when you're at a, a frat party mm-hmm. and there's that dude bro with the backwards baseball cap and he's asking you for a, a, 
or yeah, been, I was I was trying <laughs> well, to like, call like Pat out. But yeah. yeah, Pat's at the Pat's at the the beer pong table wearing his uh cutoff uh tank top with a uh, backwards baseball cap and he's has his Ray-Bans hanging from his uh the neck his his V-neck uh t-shirt <laughs> and he just goes, "Yo Ace, re-rack me." So that's how that's how you can remember the name Ace Rerack. <laughs> and like all things, you know, that you're able to commit to memory, that's a very easy way to remember. So <laughs> it wasn't some long, complicated, drawn out story. No, so. because it's a long, complicated, drawn out story. You'll never forget it, Pat. You'll be on your <laughs> deathbed and you'll be like, Ace, re-rack me. And you'll say nice. that to the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I, got little, I got a little lost in that story because Pat just sounds like this cool dude that I want to hang out with. <laughs> I'll read chat energy, total chat energy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Ace React. uh, I remember when that got spoiled, uh, I was pretty hyped on it and I I thought it would kind of put up more uh, results sooner than this, but it is pretty cool to see it kind of finally bubble into the surface, seeing Aluren uh, put up some uh, serious results. Mm -hmm. And Aluren, because of all the band control style stuff that it has going on, is a very difficult deck to continue to pilot with like all the different triggers and just very long game that it wants to play before it eventually gets to a Lawrence. So I can understand why it might not be uh, something that you see a lot online, but we'll see in paper. Yeah. So I tried playing it online and because of the loops you have to go through in order to actually like do your combo, it Mm -hmm. makes it almost impossible because you, you end up timing out half the time. Um, so yeah, it is very difficult to see it show up in, in magic online lists. And I feel that's also what, like you said, why we're not seeing it in paper as much as there just isn't as much, as many deck lists out there just because there aren't that many paper tournaments right now. I was going to say, it takes like five clicks to do one damage, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it, it, it adds up. It adds up. Uh, though this list actually looks like it, uh, might do it a little bit faster, because I see another new addition to the list is this uh, Yukima Stalking Shadow, uh, which uh, what was the set? What was the set with all the kaiju in it? I think uh, it, Ikoria. Yeah, Ikoria. I think this is from Ikoria, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe not. It's maybe Icor- this is Commander. Yeah, it's so it's the Ikoria themed Commander decks that they put ah, out. Ah, that's what it's yeah. from. But yeah, so Yukima is one blue black, so it's castable off a of learn, which is huge. It's a two-two legendary creature, whale wolf. That's not a combo you see often. <laughs> uh, it has partner with Sazu. Yeah, partner doesn't matter, but uh, it can't be blocked. And then when it leaves the battlefield, it deals X damage to target player, and you gain X life where X is its power. So you can combo this with C- Cavern Harpy to win the game as well. Mm-hmm. Looks kind like of it's. Uh, yeah it's the it's the better parasitic strix it looks like so yeah, that's pretty cool um and then yeah they just have so much packed in here because they got the yorion yeah there's quite a bit of uh yorion payoff as well obviously the ice fan quaddles but in order to fix the mana it runs for abundant growth yeah i noticed that <laughs> for abundant growth hey if it works it works um, I also like it's running four swords to plowshares and four prismatic ending. So eight, eight removal spells. Um, it's pretty light on the counter magic though, for a combo deck, it's running four force of will and one force negation. And that's it for uh counter magic in this quote unquote, you know, I know it's a mid range deck as well, but what you would think of as a, as a primarily combo deck. Yeah, it's interesting how they kind of take more of a mid-range approach where it'll just kind of eventually get there. It's not looking to go super fast. I mean, it can pull off a turn three win, and I believe we did get to see a turn three win out of the deck during coverage. Oh, yeah? Yeah, um, just being able to accelerate with Birds of Paradise into turn three of Lauren. But it, sometimes it just wants to take its time um, and just kind of play a value game with all the different value engines. I mean, we didn't even mention the fairy time raveler. Yeah. That guy yep. uh, really just uh, be a disruption piece as well, as well as just outvaluing your opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also if you think about it too, Teferi almost acts as a counter magic as well, because if Teferi is on the board, your opponent's not countering anything anyways. <laughs> right, exactly. uh, so you don't really need those defensive uh, force negations. If you got a uh, Teferi out, but yeah, super sweet list. I really like it. I might have to, 
maybe not give it a try because it's miserable to play online, but <laughs> oh man. Coming to a paper event near you. <laughs> yeah, paper event near you. Uh sick. Awesome. Get it, get out there and play. Cause I went deep on a learns when Ace Rack was uh <laughs> was spoiled. I need that investment to pay off. Papa, Papa needs to place pay some uh, moving expenses. <laughs> that actually so when I packed up all my stuff, um, I moved all my stuff to my girlfriend's parents' house because uh, just to store it there in like the day in between. And so I'm like unloading all these boxes and boxes of magic cards. And my girlfriend's mom is just like, wow, he has a lot of stuff. It's <laughs> like, yep, it's all very important stuff. I keep in these boxes. <laughs> totally not boxes and boxes of children's card game. <laughs> Savings bonds. <laughs> yeah, they're all savings bonds. Savings bonds. <laughs> uh, Pat, anything kind of catch your attention from uh, from the lists? Um, I mean, I, I don't know anything about Alluren. That's not a deck that I, I mess around with. But it, it has been interesting for me to see decks running uh, no Delver. Uh, because I've kind of gone on record as saying I, I don't like Blue-Red not running Delvers. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm proven wrong here if a deck's coming in third without running Delver secrets, but I still stand by, like, I think that that's a little bit too much of, uh, getting inside our head and metagaming there. You know, if, if you're trying to beat all the other Delver decks, I mean, Delver was, you know, almost 12% of the field here, but that's not such an overwhelming amount that I want to warp my entire deck just to beat uh, other Delver decks. But, um, yeah, it's, uh. I don't know. It seemed like the like you know for as touted as as Blue Red Delver was for being like the monster of the format. You know, twelve percent is not like an over. It's certainly not the worst we've ever seen in a format, right? Like we'd see miracles like in in fifteen or twenty percent back in like miracles heyday. So it well, doesn't uh, seeing twelve percent doesn't bother me. That kind of bears mentioning though, and I'd like I I'm interested to hear Mike's. Uh, take on this as well but there was kind of a debate on the leaving a legacy facebook page a couple days ago where there were some uh showcase legacy tournaments uh where basically uh players were able to use any card like they had you know how magic online every once in a while does uh you know uh like tokens where you basically can make any deck you want they did it for like eternal weekend and eternal extravaganza it was one of those deals where basically players were not restricted by their collection and as such like 90 percent of the field was blue red delver <laughs> like everyone was just playing the quote-unquote best deck um and this being a paper tournament and seeing blue red delver be a much lower percentage i'm sure a, a large part of that just has to do with the cost of the deck and just card availability uh what's what's kind of your take on that mike i think that does have a lot to do with it i think a lot of people uh may not have had fluidity i guess to call it in their ability to choose dual lands for this event um they may have gone with something that was uh, a little bit more what they had already versus what they might think is the best thing. And seeing death and taxes being this, the second most, um, the second highest amount of uh, decks and being at the budget option still, uh, because it, it clocks in at like a quarter of the price of a lot of the dual land decks. It's just, it, it is very much something where people either played what they had or played what they could get. Um, and not necessarily what they may have wanted. Like maybe maybe there was uh, 20 or so people in the room that were like, I would like to play Blue Red Delver, but all I have are these Bayous, so I'll play a Bayou deck instead. Yeah, so that, that bears the question, what is the real legacy meta? Are we taking <laughs> like a purist approach where it's just the legacy meta is what people can afford to play and card availability is a, is a factor in the metagame? Or is it the, this is just the quote unquote best deck. This is what people will play. What, what do you think, Pat? What, which, which version do you feel is the real legacy? I, I don't think either version is the real legacy because the legacy meta is the, because <laughs> the Pat's is, a contrarian. <laughs> no, well, it's because it's, 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 listen, it's the entirety of cards that are available in the format. Legacy, uh, you know, is the, I think probably the only thing that's really close to it is likely vintage, right? Where it's like people, you know, 
wait, what? I am not so, following this. <laughs> so the real so, legacy is vintage. Now. So, <laughs> so, all right. So l- the closest thing to legacy is vintage in that like when you invest in a deck, it is real dollars and cents. Um, and the likelihood of you changing straight up everything you play is extremely low. Um, unlike a, uh, unlike modern or something like say commander or standard for sure, where those decks are changing, you know, monthly, you know, you know what I mean? Like that, there's a real moving metagame there. And I, I think like the whole, like, what's the metagame and legacy. It's like, you're going to play what you're going to fucking play. Like anyone who, you know, you might be able to say like what the best, uh, you know, what the, what the most popular deck is going to be, because that's what people are playing online. But like the legacy metagame is different in your local store. It's going to be different when you go to a star city in Worcester. It's going to be a different metagame when you go to a, to a, a channel fireball event on the West coast, it'll be a different metagame when, when you go to uh, a tournament, you know, like a hundred K that never fires in the South. Like, yeah, it's going to be, you're going to have a different metagame everywhere because like part, it's going to be it, the metagame is, is, is consists of the people who fucking show up. So like I, the, the whole, like, you know, what's the real metagame argument or what's the real metagame discussion to me is just so, um, I don't know. It's, it's not that exciting to me because it's going to be what it's going to be, you know, like if you want to know what the most popular deck is, like that's pretty easy to find, but like that, you know, is it the best deck? Is it is it the meta game? Is it the meta deck? I don't fuck. I don't know, man. I, Pat, I just, Pat is I, like <laughs> Pat is like the Bill Belichick Zen Buddhist. Like, what is the sound of one hand? It's gonna be. It's, it's gonna whatever be it's it fucking be. is. It's gonna be what it's gonna be, man. You know. That's all. All right. All right. What what's your take, Mike? What do you feel is the real uh, legacy meta? Pat's got a really good point, though. It's just you. Don't let him bully you. Don't let him bully you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm gonna be a free thinker. I, I don't. I'll do my own research. I'll let him. Uh, I'm, not, I'm going to uh, approach this in a way that I I actually feel. Don't worry. Uh, but there is regionality to things, and one of the pieces is that uh, for like say this event, there are 21 people that are playing lands. Baltimore has a lot of lands players. So you have like the Jarvis Hughes and the Dave Longs of the world who are in that area and can go to those events. And maybe they don't want to fly to the West coast to plan a channel fireball event. So you won't have as many tabernacles in the room. So like there will be that regionality to it. And magic online is kind of this own regionality where it's everybody that wants to play a video game of magic, the gathering instead of a, a tabletop game. And for some people, they just want that human interaction that we saw at the pit and that everybody was excited for. Um, and they don't want to play a video game. And so, yeah, for those people, that is a regionality of like people that like just the game and don't necessarily need the people um, as much as people that are just kind of region locked to somewhere. So I, I think there's plenty of different metagames and that you can build towards kind of who you expect to be there. True, true. All right. Uh, what about uh, the rest of the top eight? Anything kind of uh, catch your guys' attention in the top eight? Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of what we've seen, right? Like nothing super insane. Um, what? How did the top eight uh, play out, uh, Mike? Because I didn't get to watch any of the coverage. So, what was the top eight like? So the top eight, there, there's one deck in particular that managed to uh, make its way in the top eight that provided some. Uh, pretty good coverage and that's the uh, fifth place blue white affinity deck by yeah i was gonna say this deck looks sweet uh my friend dan who we've had on the cast a bunch uh he's been playing affinity since affinity the mechanic was printed and he's super excited that affinity is is coming back as a competitive uh, legacy deck because it was it was missing from the format for i want to say like seven or eight years for (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) since affinity has been competitive Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it hasn't had anything. It's been, it had its initial burst back in what, like 2004 when it got all the affinity cards and just keep kept getting outclassed and finally got some tools of its own. I mean, it has what Esper Sentinel here, uh, Urza Saga, which obviously has a few homes, but this is one of them. And uh, especially Thought Monitor. I think that one's probably Mm -hmm. the spiciest tool in the chip. Yeah. Well, I would say the. The biggest additions to the deck is uh, the Thought Monitor, especially when you're this list isn't running it, but uh, I've seen the list running for Thought Monitor for Thoughtcast, and like I've never seen an Affinity deck bury someone in card advantage. Like that's always <laughs> been Affinity's weakness is that it runs out of gas and then falls on its face. 
but mm-hmm. now it's running eight draw twos for one blue and they're just like draw two draw two dump my hand draw two dump my hand it's just it, it is really difficult for a lot of decks to keep up with that in the format uh so thought monitor is a huge addition and then nettle cyst is just a, a strict upgrade to cranial plating yeah that one's actually surprisingly cheap to equip too so that that surprised me when i saw that card i always assumed that the living weapon cards would just these three, it would be like a three drop and that costs like seven mana to re-equip. So you just kind of, when your guy dies, it dies. But no, it's it's two mana to equip. So once your little uh, Phyrexian germ goes away, you can easily throw that on your thought monitor and go to town with a huge flyer. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, obviously Urza Saga is just an all-around powerhouse and that just, you know, ups the power of any deck that could play it. Uh, Affinity is no exception to that. Um, some interesting choices in here. The uh, the Shadow Spear, the one of Shadow Spear is is uh, pretty interesting. That's uh, legendary artifact equipment. Uh, one to cast, two to equip. A cre- equip creature gets plus one, plus one, and has trample and lifelink, which is fine. But I think the real reason why people run it is it has this ability, pay one, permanence your opponent's control, lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Mm-hmm. So it can take care of things like uh, Clothis or what have you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's an interesting uh, choice. Then also another one, uh, another card you don't see too often. Uh, this one's from Ikoria, Port, uh, Portable Hole. Or no, I'm sorry. This is an Ikoria. This is uh, the Dungeons and Dragons set. set. Yeah. Of course it is. Uh, of course one, it is. Yeah, one white for an artifact. Portable Hole enters the battlefield. Exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls. With, van, with mana value two or less until portable hole leaves the battlefield. So it's basically a mini oblivion ring, but it's an artifact. Mm-hmm. You got to up that affinity count for your thought monitor. So it, it slots right in. Unfortunately, can't find that one with Urza Saga, uh, despite the weird wording on Urza Saga, but I wish you wish you could because that thing, that thing is a powerhouse. Oh, because it's Urza Saga doesn't say converted mana cost of one. It says it's a mana cost of one and because portable hole is a white instead of a colorless you can't tutor it up i did not catch that yeah it's a weird interaction uh they made the choice to change converted mana cost to mana value in strixhaven and then go ahead and uh tack mana cost under urza saga just like a set later and everyone was just like you can find uh chalice of the void right now you can find portable hole right now you t- <laughs> uh, set. <laughs> uh, that's painful <laughs> so, <laughs> it's still a good card either way <laughs> definitely and then another interesting choice is the one of Zabaz the Glimmer Wasp did this show up on camera at all? Uh, it definitely did uh, it was one of the Urza Saga targets with chapter 3 at one point and I don't remember it doing much else other than entering the battlefield so <laughs> okay <laughs> it still it still has to prove itself a little bit there is there's a single arc bound ravager to actually synergize with that if a modular triggered ability part of the card so I don't know how much the boss actually comes up it has such an interesting ability of it's just red destroy target artifact you control <laughs> which you know, obviously it works with modular like i see why they do it but it's just it's such an it's such a funny thing to see on a card it's like yeah. pay one red blow up one of your own things <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's like only five ways to produce red in this deck too so i don't know if that'll come up that often right i don't think so <laughs> um are they not running yeah it doesn't look like they're running the uh Springleaf Drum, which was an old standby of older affinity lists. So yeah, they they only have the uh the Mox Opal and the Lotus Petal to uh to use it. But yeah. Pretty sweet list. Pretty sweet list. And it's super affordable too. Um as well. I mean, I shouldn't say super affordable. It is affordable as far as legacy standards go. <laughs> um and honestly, you could make it more affordable by cutting the one of tundra, like literally a third of the deck's cost is the one of Tundra in the list. And if you really wanted to make this a, a budget list, you could turn that Tundra uh, into a, um, uh, like a, f- a flooded, well, it probably couldn't be a flooded strand, but you know, you can make it a uh, hallowed fountain if you really wanted to, and uh, cut a third of the price off this list. Yeah, the affinity has, because it's 
uh, so heavy on these uh, artifact lands, like it has the four dens, the four seats. You can it. I've seen lists that don't run any duels at all. Like I, I understand the tundra as a choice, and uh, it makes sense in this deck. But yeah, you could easily just throw. You could take that out and get this deck under a thousand dollars. Yeah, pretty sweet. Uh, I'm glad to see Affinity coming back because Affinity to me has always been like a classic aggro deck. And it's really felt like aggro decks in general have disappeared from legacy over the last, you know, slow, it's been a slow decline over the last 10 years, ever since, you know, zoo started going the way of the di- dinosaur. <laughs> what do you call blue red Delver? Uh, that does, that's a tempo deck. Like that's not an aggro deck. That is a play a threat. Like an aggro deck to me is a deck that wants to dump its hand. Okay. Blue, re- blue red Delver pay- plays like one creature maybe two creatures and then just protects it and then keeps to their opponent on the back foot. Like yeah. that's, that's the difference between tempo and aggro for me. And I know, I know it, it's, it's a, it's a blurry, a blurry line sometimes. Okay. I'll accept that. I'll yeah. I think, the, I think the only real aggro deck besides affinity that I see these days is the madness deck, which is really just a pile of creatures and mana when you really break it down. I mean, it has faithless looting, but that's essentially their version of fault cast. Right. Yeah. Madness, madness deck is sweet. Uh, eight Walla, Walla Walla Island. <laughs> I think it's probably my favorite deck in the format right now just because of all those happy little lizards coming down off the lines. I <laughs> happy little li- lizards. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, taking a look. Uh, let's take a look at uh, Tom Smiley's list. He was running Jessica Stoneblade. Uh, and <laughs> creature suite looking pretty similar to the blue red Delver list, just throwing in some Stoneforge mystics in there. We got, yeah, I, I think he actually went up in his Merc Tides too. I, I listened to his podcast, uh, about the, the one after the, the, uh, legacy, the, the LAL open and then one before this one or after this one rather. And I think he went up to, I think he, at our event, he played two Merc Tides and here he played three because he just, he's like, wow. He's like, these stack so well together, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, he was very, very happy with that card. So amazing. Uh, but yeah, so four Delver, four Ragavan, three Stoneforge, three Murktide, four Brainstorm, three Lightning Bolt, four Ponder, Prismic Ending, four Swords, four Days, four Force, one Jitte, and cutting the Batter Skull for Caldra Complete. Poor Batter Skull being relegated <laughs> to the sideboard. Yeah, unfortunately, no Yorion to make room for it in this tech. Yeah, well, <laughs> I do notice in the sideboard, a uh, spicy card, one of my favorites, because it pairs so well with Phyrexian Dreadnought, is uh, he's running the Torpor Orb in the sideboard, <laughs> which is an interesting choice for a Stoneforge Mystic deck. <laughs> let's let's hope for Tom's sake that he uh, he played those in the correct order uh, all day. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> be a little spicy, but yeah, just getting to getting to hit the uh, Death and Taxes deck and the Doomsday deck randomly is... Uh, pretty beneficial yeah and also looks like tom uh of all the just guys stoneblade lists did the best so he came in 11th place and then after that the next just guy stoneblade came in 110th 164th 167th 212th and 281st so not the best day for stoneblade players but tom managed to, to cut it into the uh the top uh, 16 with it yeah, it was uh, on camera a few times in the beginning of the day uh, and looked pretty good as a kind of a step above the blue-red Delver decks, just adding white, adding just the bigger threat in Stoneforge Mystic and the Prismatic Ending is just one of the best removal spells printed this year. But yeah, it just kind of fell flat in those later rounds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting dance you got to play because I do feel like the Jeskai Stoneblade list, they're trying to go you know one step above the blue-red Delver list and then... If you just don't get paired against those, you uh, you can run into a bad time because you kind of end up being a, a bit too dirtily against some of the other big decks in the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Esper Vile in 14th place. Let's take a look at this list. That's pretty sweet. All right, so we got, looks like kind of just a mid-range, just Esper Hate Bear style. Not even Hate Bear, but we got three Esper Senadol, three Mother Runes, three uh, four Baleful Strix. For Dark Confidant. I'm always happy to see Dark Confidant come out. Always <laughs> one of my favorite cards. And he, he just kind of fell off the face of the planet for a while. So nice to see Dark Confidant <laughs> making its way back in the list. But uh, yeah, Dan Salonzo with his uh, Esper Vile list. Uh, we also got four Thalia, uh, four Archon of Ameria. 
which is not I, that saw a little bit of play in death and taxes, but not a very common card by any means. Did you get to see any Archon uh, action or just this deck in general? So this one kind of uh, evaded coverage a little bit during the weekend. Um, I have seen Esper Vile in action uh, previously. Usually it's more of a recruiter of the guard deck. So I'm surprised that it's, this one's just more of a, I'm going to play good Esper colored creatures and hope that the, the Aether Vile can power them out quickly and easily. And Archon of Ameria being the big payoff for going that way because it has three toughness, can't even be found with a recruiter of the guard. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, also interesting is Shadow Spear making its uh, making its way into this list as well. What we saw on the Affinity list is uh, popping up in the Esper Vial list as well. Um, I wonder if they're friends or if uh, Shadow Spear is just becoming a, a new target for Urza Saga because I know people are looking for all sorts of cool one drop artifacts, spicy one ofs to throw in their list now that they can tutor it up with Urza Saga. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Shadow Spear is like the the premier one drop that people mm-hmm. find in modern. So it kind of makes sense that it may dabble a little bit in legacy and just be a way of pushing through damage. You just make a bigger dude with trample, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's good enough. Yeah, that's true. Because even if your opponent doesn't have you know indestructible or anything like that that you want to deal with, just giving it you know trample to to punch through tokens or something like that is, is sometimes good enough. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I guess one part of the format we haven't really touched on at all is the uh, um, Night of the Reliquary lists. Quite a few Night of the Reliquary lists uh, make showing up. Um, we got uh, Martin Dominguez, uh, or I'm sorry, not Martin Dominguez in, what is this? Do they just not top 16 at all? Because they made up a huge chunk of the format. There was 13 Night of the Reliquary lists in, in the format. Yeah, 13 of them. The highest one I see is 19th place. Yeah, Tom Keating. Tom Keating, another name, another uh another guy from the open. Yeah. Always good to see uh familiar names. Good lord, box diamonds got expensive. Oh yeah, <laughs> insane. Insane. Uh the deck is four grand, half of which is the three, not four, three <laughs> box diamonds clocking in at two thousand dollars. Crazy. Kind of sad I sold those. Yeah, those formats dying. Never, <laughs> Jesus, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> never sell, never sell, guys. Never sell, only buy. You just end up regretting it. Yep. Uh, my buddy Ryan Glacken, who unfortunately he's he's been to quite a few legacy events, uh, is turn weekend top eight competitor three times. One of his mantras is the best time to buy is now, and the best time to sell is never. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is true. Tell that to my Dogecoin account. <laughs> <laughs> the best time to sell is never, Pat. The best time to sell is never. That's, you know, I keep telling myself that I haven't lost money until I actually sell. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, man. But, hasn't got uh, me off the couch yet, but whatever. <laughs> uh, other than that, though, this deck is super cheap. <laughs> Like literally, so this deck is four thousand dollars. Two thousand is the box diamonds, and then the other uh, twelve hundred is the three savannas, and then the rest of the deck is like. And you you got to be able to get savannas for less than twelve hundred dollars. That's crazy. Well, no, there's no way a savannas three three. Oh yeah, four hundred dollars for savannah. Yeah, you could probably get savannas for like three hundred, maybe two fifty if they've been through the washing machine. Um, but it looks like a pretty standard Night of the Reliquary list, but I'm just surprised that Night of the Reliquary decks made up such a, a large slice of the meta, but didn't really place very well. Kind of kind of following the same fate oh as the Death God. and Taxes list. HP Savannahs are $243. Yeah, I told you, washing machine Savannahs. What world are we living in? Washing The best time to sell is never, Pat. The best time to sell is never. Yeah, hold your savannas, hold your Dogecoin. I sold a <laughs> I sold a black border savannah last year for like four hundred dollars. Now like the just the white border ones are four hundred dollars. Jerry, you got me a beta sinkhole a few years ago that I'm sure it didn't cost you an arm and a leg, and now they're in like they're insane amounts of money. Like can I, I can't can I that that was actually a loan pat. <laughs> <laughs> no it's true i mean i go through like when i was moving i was like packing some stuff and i found some like old commander decks 
And I just went through. I'm like, oh, I have like beta underworld dreams in here. I wonder how much these are. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, way more than to be in this penny sleeve in this like <laughs> <laughs> GD commander deck I threw together nine oh, years ago. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you gotta look up anything that was printed in '93 or '94 because yeah. the old school guys just they'll love the weirdest stuff. Like you just you gotta you gotta take a look because. Yeah, your beta like granite gargoyle will be worth like a hundred dollars randomly. I'm like, what is this? This is just a glorified gray ogre. How much? How much is it? Old school players, and how much is it? People trying to hide drug money because I've heard it's both things. Mm. It's a little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, money laundering from uh, cryptocurrency. Right, right. Yeah, that's part of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you know, if you notice the magic, uh, the magic uh, market uh, and the Bitcoin market are very closely correlated. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. That doesn't, that doesn't feel good. No, that's good. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Game's <laughs> dying. This game's dying, Jerry. Honestly, Pat, if if magic if magic prices pop, it's probably going to be due to an overall pop in like the overall economy because yeah. magic is now so closely entwined to like cryptos and all these other things that like if magic actually does pop, we're probably going to have bigger things to worry about than our magic collections going down in value. It's I don't gonna- know. I don't know, man. Post Malone's making commander videos now, so Post Malone's making commander videos. Oh, yeah, dude, snap. Just, yeah, dude. I just saw him on uh, some. I don't mean I don't watch. I just happened to see it. I don't know. Someone on Reddit, someone on Reddit was was raging about it, but not about Post Malone, about something else. But um, yeah, man, he's making commander videos now. What world are we living in? This is hilarious, I, man. Tw- the year is 2050, and we're trading Doge coins for Magic decks, and they're the <laughs> primary <laughs> form of currency. <laughs> I love it. I pay love your it. pay your rent with Magic cards. <laughs> madness, absolutely. There madness. was a uh, baseball player whose name is escaping me right now. Who had uh, there's video of him. He has a um, black lotus, like a slabbed beta black lotus, in like on a gold chain that he was wearing. To- <laughs> And people are making fun of him. It's just like, I look at this guy with like a couple hundred bucks around his neck. And it was just like, no, this is probably more than most pendants that these guys wear. Around. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's hilarious. That amazing. Sad, 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 but amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, anything else uh, you wanted to talk about, like the event? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, a quick question. What did the Legacy Pit do that you haven't seen anyone else do for an event? Ooh, um, that they, I mean, one of the big things is that it was in the, <laughs> it was in the, the event center was in a hotel, which was huge. Um, I, there's probably other events that have done that, but yeah, I, I just, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's like, if I see any event that's in a hotel, I'm like instant sign up. <laughs> it, it's just so much nicer. But go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, it, it was just it was very easy. I mean, especially for me having to uh, be there for the whole 15 hours and uh, just being able to kind of stumble back into bed at the end of the day. Yep. Just having the event there. Um, it was kind of it was just kind of this contained thing where uh, you had access to food. Uh, there was the bar, um, which hopefully people were very uh, good about and didn't bring into the event site i can't contest that um but it was just it was all kind of contained and uh travis just did a really good job at making sure that safety enforcement was a huge concern um making sure that people were following the rules both for like security's sake for people's stuff because as we just discussed for like the past 15 minutes everything's expensive so like security was a thing and safety was a thing and mm-hmm. I feel like Travis pulled his aim game with uh, all of that and mm-hmm. I think that that's something that events going forward should definitely take a look at is did he like wristband people coming in with their with their boxes like what what as far as like safety of like uh co- like uh collections and stuff is that what you're implying I don't know if he had wristbands um I didn't have anything on me so I didn't get wristbanded but, oh, like, gotcha. but especially with safety he um there was a strict, if you have your mask off, you get um, reprimanded rule toward. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe people are very well behaved in that regard. And just um, it, like maybe we had one or two people that had a mask off at any point in time that got politely told by the judge, you got to put it on. This is a warning, what have you. Mm-hmm. And it was like 
easy, easy going from then on out. Yeah, Pat, at the Leave Your Legacy Open, Pat tried to institute a rule. Anyone who wasn't wearing a mask got uh, sack tapped, but uh, the, the <laughs> law- lawyers would have let us do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can say that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, man. Oh. Um, but as for coverage, um, one of the things that Travis kind of brought to coverage that I haven't had in coverage before, and I've worked a few events coverage, um, was he had a microphone that could actually go into my headset mm-hmm. um, because Legacy Pit, the, YouTube, uh, the Twitch channel itself, has like all this audiovisual equipment. Uh, he was able to create a setup so that anytime he had to relay something to Mike Shank or myself, uh, he was able to do it in our headset. Which, oh, okay. So he, so he, he had an audio feed into your headset that that people who were watching coverage could not hear, but you could. Exactly. Yeah. So he was yeah, able. That's 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 fucking. Twi- that's that's. Sweet. Oh, that makes you look way smarter than you are because you're just like. <laughs> not that you're not a smart individual, but just like having having someone sick burn, whisper- Jerry. Jeez, <laughs> they didn't mean it like that. <laughs> oh, I, I look pretty dumb sometimes. Uh, at times, it was kind of because I was so not used to it. He would say something to my headset and I would just repeat it out loud, um, <laughs> which happened a few times. And hopefully the people on coverage enjoyed it because I was just I would hear it in my head and then I would say it out loud. And then I would just hear Travis laugh in my ear. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that's right. People can't hear him. <laughs> that's so, funny. But yeah, his his setup was definitely the best commentary setup I've ever gotten to work with in my life. And nice. I was I was very impressed with that. And as yeah. I said a little bit earlier, just being able to be in the room with people and getting to interact um, gave me a better feel of connection instead of being sequestered off into some weird room mm-hmm. where I don't understand the vibe of the room. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, he uh the, the production value of the legacy pit stuff is so above and beyond what like anyone else is really doing that's not like say Star City. Um I would say it's better than Wizards because I think Wizards is a pretty like uh, mediocre job in general. So I, I think they do really just do a phenomenal uh, job. So I think Wizards does a really good job when they actually try. Like, well, Wizards well, problem is they just don't try a lot of the time because like like our friend does beach works for Wizards does a killer job with it. And like the Pro Tour production value is nice when Wizards actually gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, well, at least I'm not trying to disparage our friend. I'm just saying like in general, I think I think the results speak for themselves. So, I'm not going to go any further than that, but um no, I think I think I I'm based I'm just trying to give Travis and, and the crew there their their due because they do a really phenomenal job. Excellent. Yeah, they they do and I'm I'm really excited to see the the future events that they hold and can't wait to get down to the next one and if anyone's getting married I'm just going to tell them listen I'll, I'll make I'll make it to the next one. I hope they take it on the road and they do Legacy <laughs> Pit open in in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. That's Hell yeah. For. Yeah, and for. open up that DCU baby. Let's go. <laughs> it is it is key hotel plus hotel bar for the venue because nothing yeah. beats you know and travel mug that's also important. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pat, we're not allowed to bring drinks into the venue, remember? I can bring drinks wherever I want. <laughs> Kick me out of a magic event. That makes you the coolest person in the room. I'm fine with that. Pat coming in, sitting down. It's like rolling die. All of a sudden, his opponent's like, is that a camel pack? He's I like, already, yep. <laughs> I've done it. Not at a magic event, but I've done it. Um, I will say that, uh, yeah, I think the next event I go to, I'm going to wear like, I'm gonna wear like the pit viper sunglasses, cut off sleeves. Like hey, you gotta uh, you gotta wear the the legacy villain uh uh wife beater. That oh we'll right, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I but the pit viper, yeah, hundred percent. Pit viper is gonna be sick. Can't wait. I was hoping for the A three rack uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, speaking of, if anyone's looking for Leaving Legacy merch, the Leaving Legacy store is up and running. We got an awesome bunch of designs. We got the OG hoodies and t-shirts, as well as some new designs, uh, t-shirts and mugs and iPhone cases. The the world of merchandising got so much better, Pat, in the couple of years since we did our last merch run. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh. it's crazy. There's all kinds of stuff on there. 
Yeah, we got like uh, leaving a legacy mugs. We got le- we got leaving a legacy beach towel. You can get a beach <laughs> towel. <laughs> so we also commissioned some uh, some brand new art, some new uh, logos for uh, the cast. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. We'll uh, we'll throw it in the show notes, and then it's also on the leaving legacy Facebook page, uh, or you can just go to. Uh, Sorry, Justin, you're you're going to get so far without having to edit anything so far. You can also <laughs> see the leaving the legacy. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> it was building suspense. No, was I know, suspense. it was so good. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. You can also just go to leaving a legacy to dot creator dash spring.com apparently pat uh the reason why we're leaving a legacy two on teespring is because there already is a leaving a legacy store on teespring and it's some like inspirational uh like religious cult or something really like that. <laughs> uh sorry jerry i'm quitting the podcast i'm gonna go join this other better cult that we <laughs> that's going oh. on that's what it is. It's uh it's it's a mom, it's a mom-based yoga uh <laughs> uh site. So you can get some yoga pants, not affiliated with the cast. <laughs> don't, don't go to leaving a legacy at Teespring, go to leaving a legacy two at Teespring. The number two get, number two, the number two in order to get the merch store. Get get yourself a beach towel and a travel mug. That way you can fill it with alcohol at the event and have a beach towel to clean it up when you spill it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jerry, if I buy a pair of Pit Viper sunglasses, can I write that off as a business expense? Uh, yeah. As <laughs> I wear finan- it solely. Yeah. As a financial advisor. Yes. Yeah. I, I say I think so. I'll, I'll check the IRS code, but I'm pretty sure. Don't don't do that. Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't check the irs code okay no i don't want that yeah yeah, yeah. just say yes <laughs> don't don't bring that bad juju on me. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, i gotta i i fuck i love pit viper i'm gonna buy some right now uh this is a good time to do it i love it it's so Excellent. sick uh so yeah go go check out the leaving legacy store that's my shill for the day <laughs> awesome uh how about you michael what you got going on anything you want to plug before we get out of here um so Nothing that I can think of event-wise, but uh, I guess if you want to go find me on Twitter, uh, my username right now is Corvold, as in the fake curse king, the dragon noble. Um, so yeah, give me a follow there. I tweet funny stuff. I tweet pictures of my cat. I try not to tweet about banner-restricted stuff, and I hope to see you there. Nice. Hell yeah. Got any poops and scoops, Pat? Um. <laughs> All right, so Gronkowski has his own set of pit vipers, so that's what I'm buying right now. They're called the Gronk, <laughs> the Gronk Americas, and I'm buying them as we speak. What, what about me, Pat? What type of fan am I where I like the Patriots because my girlfriend tells me I have to like so the Patriots? You, you are a fan. You are the kind. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you are exactly the kind of fan who can, um, who can mix up athletes and athletes. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> like, like, like you'll say esports is on par with actual athletics. I think. By the way, no, I, I don't think they're on par. I've Pat. heard I think from a better. few people. I think they're better. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> it was like, we saw a guy. I saw a video of a guy who dislocated his shoulder after winning some like fighting game, like <laughs> because he was celebrating too hard. Well, people are being regular athletes. They're injured themselves celebrating all the time. The only <laughs> athlete I can think of who's ever injured themselves celebrating is Martin Gramatica when he blew out his knee after kicking a field goal. And field goal kickers are barely athletes so we're just gonna say that that's that's the level this guy is on okay I'll tell you, he's, and, he's and field goal kicker Gramatica's level knee was supporting his body weight this guy was just <laughs> flailing his arms like a fucking ape and dislocated his shoulder all right what were you saying people have been reaching out about to you telling you how you're wrong <laughs> Oh, um, that that we're just in this massive esports bubble right now. That is that has actually begun to pop. So I'm excited for that. I'm pretty, I'm they said the, the same thing about now. football in the 1920s. Like, oh yeah, this football bubble it'll never last. <laughs> just you wait. When 1930 rolls around, no one will be playing football anymore. The pro- <laughs> the problem is the problem is that esports is not under a single organization. It's a bunch of different organizations that are competing for people's people's attention neither, so like, neither was football football's not even a single organization anymore you got you got the nfl and the uh what is the nhl east something west 
Jerry, <laughs> I want to stick a tack. I want to stick a tack through your skull right now. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, man. that's my that's my scoop is Tom Brady and Gronkowski uh, and, and, and real football fans everywhere. And my poops is on people who perpetuate these awful stereotypes of football fans being uh you know blinded by team allegiance and not you know loving the sport for what it really is oh pat you'll be you'll be happy for me thanks to my girlfriend i now have like every sports channel known to man like under the sun (laughs) i like her i like her already you like her already excellent (sighs) the gronk americas are sold out jerry this is awful (laughs) this is a travesty (laughs) the worst day ever My scoop in is to Tyler Wilkin because he uh, sent me this pretty interesting. Um, let me know about uh, this group called Playing with Power. So they're a uh, they're a YouTube commander uh, channel with uh, sixty five thousand followers, which is pretty big for Magic. Um, and the reason why he sent it to me is they actually just started doing legacy content. So. I think it's pretty it's pretty awesome to see. Wait, such... wait. So it's it's a commander show? It well, they started off as a commander show and now mm-hmm. they're starting to do uh, uh legacy. So okay. like they just put up a video of reanimator versus uh blue red delver. So I mean it's it's cool to see legacy uh get some attention from some of the, the bigger names in, in the uh you know the game, you know, because I mean there's no way legacy pulls in the attention that you know the commander players do so if we can get some commander uh commander referrals hey i'll take it if it means more people playing legacy i think it's worth it at the end of the day so scoops into tyler for uh sending me this and uh kind of bring it to my attention and if you're looking for some more legacy content go check out uh playing with power on uh youtube uh how about you mike anyone you want to scoop in this week top eight um i'm gonna scoop in jarvis you uh i talk about him a lot because he's the he's basically the reason that I like Legacy. Um, he and I have been friends for God, it's been like 15 years at this point, and he's basically the reason that I uh, got into Legacy, uh, and and is the reason that I'm here today. Uh, I got interested in Legacy. I got interested in talking about Legacy, and I I love it. And Jarvis is a kind soul, um, and he he's just a genuine human being that um, I really think that uh is we need more of in this world and in legacy in particular mm-hmm. nice love it yeah awesome jerry well i think that's it for this week man yeah i like it let's uh let's call it quits all right have everyone uh, there have a great week everyone we'll catch you all next week bye <laughs>